This is Joel Spolsky, the host of the Stack Overflow podcast. Our podcast depends on listeners like you, who aren't you because you're already listening, and we need more listeners like you. We don't have any kind of fancy marketing budget, so please, if you enjoy this podcast, tell your friends to subscribe. Thank you. I've been told that I should not bring up my dog when people bring up their children. <laughs> people are like, oh my God, I was up all night. One of the children was throwing up. The other child had to go to the hospital. And the third child was beating on the fourth child. And I'm like, I have a dog. <laughs> I totally know it's that like he had diarrhea one. This is the Stack Overflow Podcast, episode 99, recorded Thursday, January 19th, 2017. Oh boy, at Stack Overflow headquarters in New York, New York, home to Stack Overflow, where more than 8 million people live in peace and enjoy the benefits of democracy. Today's podcast is brought to you by Reverse Polish Notation. 25, oh. enter. 16 plus. It's 41. <laughs> and this podcast is also brought to you by Grace Hopper, a program of Full Stack Academy. The Grace Hopper program is an immersive software engineering course for women. Students only pay tuition once they secure a developer job after the program. Visit the Grace Hopper program at www.gracehopper.com. On today's podcast, the usual crew, VP of Stack Overflow, Jay Hanlon. Good afternoon. With your fancy new title there, oh. VP of Engineering, David Fullerton. Hey. And our news editor is Ilani Itzhaki. Hello, everyone. Also, today's special guest, astrophysicist and Stack Overflow's newest data scientist, Dr. Julia Silge. Hello. I'm your host, Joel Spolsky. And wait, turns out we have to make a correction. Last week, we were talking about the Pirates of Penzance. We were. And it turns out that what I <laughs> sang was reasons. actually the opening song, that We Sail the Ocean Blue, is actually the opening song from a completely different but easily confused naval operetta, the HMS Pinafore. Sorry. So we sail the ocean blues from Pinafore. We were talking about Pirates of Penzance. We That's a completely different thing. The trouble is that that was sort of a tenor kind of baritone situation. This is bass. I can't do pour, oh, pour the pirate cherry. I'm not even going to be able to do it unless I had a cold or something. So just imagine pour, oh, pour the pirate cherry, fill or fill. Wait, are they the both? Is, is one Rodgers and Hammerstein and one Gilbert and Sullivan, or are they both one of those two? They are both Guilfoyle and Sullivan. Guilfoyle and Sullivan. I think you're That's thinking correct. of uh, Rosencrantz and Guilfoyle. If I'm not mistaken. <laughs> no, no. No flow on Sullivan is correct. So that is our correction, and we stand corrected and apologize. They're dead. It's a, like 19th century British nonsense. Okay, what else do we have here? So first of all, I'm really excited that we're bringing various types of outdated notation back. Reverse Polish notation. Yeah. One of those things that sounded terrible and worked so much better. So much better. Yeah, you can, you can tell yourself that. I mean, it's, you know, how many times have you gotten that error message in Excel where it's like wrong number of right parentheses? And you're like, just give me all the yes. parentheses. Just, just, just hit a whole bunch. That never happens with reverse Polish never. notation because there's no parentheses. In never. It's just all. it's memorized everything you want. Yeah. And for those of you that remember reverse Polish notation, I'm going to make your whole life better. Is there is an app you can buy? I'm sure on both platforms, definitely an iPhone. There's app. like an HP 12C yeah. emulator, and it doesn't do anything new or awesome. It just looks just like an HP 12C, and yeah. you can press the buttons on the screen. It's fantastic. Yeah. I have that on my phone, an HP 41C app. I think I've probably already reviewed it on this. <laughs> Very show. Okay, I got a rant. As it turns out, last week, I had to do a lot of work in Excel. And if you get to more than about five lines of Excel, okay. the Mac Excel really doesn't cut it. Not even the very latest version, Mac Excel 2016. I feel like I've heard this before, and I, I have yet to run into these problems. What? You may be using less than, you know, maybe you only have 20 lines in your spreadsheets or something. But if you have, like, multiple pages and a lot of stuff, 
things get really slow. I had a not super complicated file that every time I opened it would come up with like repaint bugs where first it took a minute to like display the entire spreadsheet. And then like big chunks of it were just blank until you scrolled away and then scrolled back because- What? Yeah. Hard to imagine, but this particular spreadsheet did that every time. Well, you know, this is why you need to learn R. Yeah. Oh, and then you don't need Excel. <laughs> you don't have to use Excel Do they have uh, parentheses in R or is it all- We have the right number of parentheses. R. It's, it's great. Okay. So which is the pirate one? R- Arr. Yeah. Oh, we're back to Pirates of Pentax. Thank you, Julia. That's perfect. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Pinafore is not about Pirates. Pirates of Penzance is about something else. This is it. like Robert Heinlein. They'd like, he has a book every year, but they're all the same. I think Pirates of Penzance is about young people living yeah. city life and seeing about the struggles they have at the turn of the millennium. Yeah. If I recall correctly. Yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody, you're thinking. <laughs> okay. So here's what I did. I borrowed from our uh, IT concierge. I borrowed a, a Dell laptop. Took it home, used that to run Excel like for a while. Like running Windows. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How's and that? Kindly, it was running Windows 7, so I was happy because okay. I still know how to find things in Windows 7. I have never used anything like Vista or Windows yeah. 10. So yeah. they have moved all the things around. And for me, it's just a gigantic cheese-moving nightmare. You know, like you're, you're running and you can't find the thing and you're turning on the lights and they're not going on. Like in one of those cheese nightmares? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so... Um... <laughs> we all have those, Joel. You're at school and it's a big day and you've got no cheese with you. We all know these streams. So we're with you. Here's my very first Windows 10 complaint. Very first rant about Windows 10. If you try to do something that requires you to be an administrator, a dialog box pops up saying, you need to be an administrator. Would you like to log on as an administrator? Show, ask you to type your username and password again. So far, this seems like the logical interface in this situation. And if you're not an administrator, the error message you get is... The requested operation requires elevation. That's the error message. The requested operation elevation? elevation. Wait, not escalation? Elevation. I'm, I'm pretty sure that just means hide off the ground. Like that it is a completely... And requested operation. It's like you asked me for my password. <laughs> <laughs> you called me, buddy. Not... Don't ask me what I yeah. want to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. And also the error message has nothing to do with the actual way you resolve it. Like a lot of times, if you see that the resolution, which they're asking for, is for you to right click on something and choose run as administrator. So there again, it doesn't say the requested operation requires that you right click on the little icon and choose run as administrator. So at least it would be telling you how to fix your own problem. It just says you're not levitating enough, yeah. basically. And how do they do this on the Macintosh? There's like a key and it's like, hey, click on the key guy. Like, there's a key. Actually, the Mac does this super weird thing <laughs> where like, you go to totally. do a thing, and instead of popping up a dialog, there's like instead a little lock at the bottom, yeah. and there's a text that's thing that's always there that says, before you could do any of the things you might be trying to do above, you must click on the lock, which is also a pretty crap it's interface. It's perfect, but it's better than saying the requested operation requires elevation, which leads you to Google, where you find Does nothing Does it really say elevation? You. Is there yeah. a secondary meaning of elevation? <laughs> no, just that, I mean, you're not expected to know this. It means that your process is now in a special state in the old days. Like, I would be an administrator on my computer, and you wouldn't. Right. And then you would log in to do things, and it'd be like, go to hell. And I would log on to do them, and it would just do them. If silently. I want to install software at a big corporation, yeah. not even my, like, regular IT, the SA would have to come and do it. Yeah, but the SA, just by virtue of just being logged on and being an administrator, yes. would just magically be able to Correct. do all kinds they of stuff. Correct. They have permissions I do not. Yeah. So what would people do? They would email, like, a little executable to the sysadmin and say, hey, run this. <laughs> <laughs> and then cackle like a witch in an they old-timey would. movie. And the system okay. would be like, oh, this is going to show me uh, pictures of uh, movie stars. I shall click on it. And uh, <laughs> then they would, and it instead would then go and delete a bunch of files. Okay, so now even administrators are running in non-elevated mode where they can't break things. They have to issue a special command saying, please elevate me. 
And as this admins, they have permission to be elevated. So there's now this idea. Did I explain that well? In order to solve the problem of the administrators not intending to do something damaging, but they have permission to do something damaging if they want to, the administrators now walk around in a special mode where they have a big prophylactic on, essentially. And elevation. Thanks so like much. Thank you so much for that visual. Carry yeah, on. Yes, is a temporary uh, removal of that state. Oh dear. Got it. Essentially, they're in like nerf mode most of the time, and then they yes, can be put nerf. into a temporal state of higher power. Right, which, which they have to ask for, and like, that's called elevation by nobody. There's like a cover over the Except nuclear that switch. People, somebody in the Windows team who did not have to go through some kind of a Steve Jobs type process because it's Microsoft. I guess you're on Windows. The... <sighs> I try not to be, really, but I have to run the version of Excel that doesn't crash and doesn't make me lose all my data. My beef on Excel on Mac is it feels almost like, I think they might have just fixed this, where like Excel on Mac, the whole Office suite, it's the only thing, it runs in like non-retina mode with like little jaggies. Oh, does it? And it seems like it is Microsoft being like, F you OSX users, you should switch over. Your world would be better. I don't know if you like, have what the are latest you doing? version. I think the newest version yeah, went retina, but yeah. like a year or two ago. Well, that's because that was 2011. That was like a five-year-old version that they hadn't updated for five years. And when they did update it, all they did is fix that one thing. Anyway, meanwhile, meanwhile, meanwhile. yesterday we were at the USB office. Yes. That was two days ago, I think. And what time? It was. Time flies. Yeah, whatever. And I needed to show a video from Family Guy to the whole team. A violent video. Yes, that's true. <laughs> it was pretty violent. And, uh, but it was Family Guy. I mean, it was a cartoon. But it might have been like itchy and scratchy level of violence. If I could summarize how you characterize that violent video of a yeah, man it's getting- it's like Stewie, a man. It was a it was child. A baby killing that, a dog. That didn't make it better at all. <laughs> it was Stewie, and Stewie was beating up Brian and demanding his money. And do you recall what you used that as a metaphor for? Metaphor for what the meeting we were about to have was going to be like correct. to the people that were presenting. Correct. That is important. <laughs> Which included you. Yes. yes. Yes, it did. Yeah. All I want to say is I pulled out my phone and I found it on YouTube and yep. I was like, oh, I want to show this to a whole room of 25 people. And I just went to AirPlay and said AirPlay and it boom, all of a sudden it was showing on the big gigantic screen. It was magic. And it's like, meanwhile, Windows 10 is like the requested operation requires elevation. Hope you know what that means. <laughs> I told you we should have asked Apple for the money before the podcast. Before the podcast. They're never going to pay us. Tell them to fix the Excel thing. It's really Microsoft's <laughs> it's got, fault. It's got to be both, the office group at Microsoft. In both dimensions. It's okay. One minute tech review. You know what? People have commented and we've gotten notes that my one minute tech reviews are often as much as four minutes. <laughs> so I'm working very hard. Are you sure it wasn't that they're mostly about light switches? Because that seems like the bigger <laughs> outlier to me. I got to be honest. No. So I'm going to try to give you some of your time back. It's going to take me quite a while, but I'm going to try to do some really short one-minute tech reviews. This week's one-minute tech review is the farmer emoji. It's a little farmer character. <laughs> he is holding carrots. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Have you seen this? It's a new emoji. It's a little farmer. There's a couple of them, too. I don't know why there's two. Well, hang on. And we don't know if it's any good yet. Please go on. It's awesome. I would like to see some other vegetables. I would like to see radishes. My friend Peter suggested Sorry, turnips. Sorry, a farmer holding radishes? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah, radishes yeah, yeah. by themselves? No, 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 no. A farmer, given that he's farmer, holding carrots. More farmer that, variants. Yeah, we'd okay, like to see, really, there's tens of vegetables that he could be holding. <laughs> Are there tens? Can you tens. name 20 vegetables that are all recognizable in emoji size? I'm dubious. I can, but not in a minute. Come on, we're trying Fair. to save time okay, here. Okay, sorry. That is the sorry. end of this week's One Minute Tech Review Farmer Emoji. A plus. <laughs> bye again. <laughs> I don't even... <sighs>
Do we have a startup or shut up game? We do. Awesome. Yay. Julia is new. She doesn't know how to play the game startup or shut up. Right. So this is the game. We have three rounds, three startups each. One of them is fake. You have to figure out which one is the fake one. One is fake. One is fake. Okay. Two are real. Okay. Ready? Yeah. And we added a rule, which is we all got to like write down what our answer is before anybody shares. Otherwise. Otherwise it's cheating. Otherwise we are being influenced by the other people. Wow. I mean, it's cheating a little bit, but you know, it's a podcast. Come on. It's not radio. No, this is very important. Remember, we're still trying to give away those toilet bowl ones. That was the prize. Right? Oh, yeah. All right. You guys ready? We're yeah, ready. Yeah, let's go. We're ready. Julia, do you have any questions about the strategy for such a game? No, or, no. Okay. I, I think I understand, and I, I am familiar. You're so, just trying to make so the yeah, smallest number of mistakes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Number one, truth. Just say it. Truth is an anonymous messaging platform that allows users to say what's on their mind without barriers. If you ever have had anything you wanted to say but was afraid to say it, Truth's got you covered. Okay. Mm, yeah. Yes, Not to okay. be mistaken with Truth's Chris's Steakhouse. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, Speakly. Learning a new language? Our app can connect you to native speakers over video or voice chat so that, that you can practice your skills and build confidence. I want that. I want that. There may be a problem there with the marketplace not clearing because a lot of people want to learn, you know. Doesn't English. one of the apps already try to do this? Doesn't uh Yeah. Duolingo or something? Okay, those both sound real to me, actually, to be honest. Duolingo saves owls, I believe. You're mixing up something else. <laughs> Number three, Adaptly. Adaptly provides unique social buying experiences for advertisers seeking solutions that span the entire marketing funnel. What? <laughs> okay, that's gotta be real. <laughs> Wait, what? I didn't even understand that. What? Was that English? I will repeat that. Adaptly provides unique social buying experiences for advertisers seeking solutions that span the entire marketing funnel. Ah, those social all sound real. Because the first one, yeah. they do. They all sound real. They all sound real. What was the name of the language one? Speakly. 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 I'm voting that Speakly is fake. Speakly. I am going to vote that truth is fake. Yeah, I'm going with truth as well. Jay? Jay? Do I want to be less likely to lose or more likely to win in the end? I'm going to go with truth or See, it doesn't help because then you're throwing your lot in with those two. It doesn't matter. I, mean, I just don't, want to, I just don't want to be last this time. And so the more people I'm grouped with, the okay. better off I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can. Yeah. All right. You guys ready for the answer? Yeah. Yeah. Speakly is the fake one. Woo! I could have sworn I'd seen ah, that. Nice. <laughs> it doesn't exist. It's... it's just not called that. No, I don't think it does. That's actually a better idea. Yeah, it does. There's a language learn that gets you paired with. Ironically, doesn't speakers. that sound like kind of a good idea? It is a good idea, except to think of it like it just there's thousands so of you know Tagalog <laughs> speakers who want to learn English. It's got a worse name than the name you came up with. Startup Verbling connects language learners with native speakers. Oh. They should just hire you guys as brand marketers. That's what Verbling <laughs> pairs you with native speakers so you can practice. Or as they try not to call it, chat roulette, but only for language. We're not kidding people. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's really basically what it is. Verbling. Oh my gosh, it just looks like chat roulette. That's yeah. a much worse name. Verbling? Verbling. 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 It's like all about learning a language while making oh. linguists these, are all, these articles are from 2012. It's probably already died. I'm pretty sure this is All right, I am winning. So that is the game. Start up or shut up. Thank you very much for participating. And with you all. Can we just stop right now? Because right now, for the first time in the history yeah. of this game, I'm not tied for second most. place. <laughs> Congratulations, no, 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 Jay. I've never been in second place after an actual round. Dave, Jay, David has been the winner, place. right? David, you've won every single one. I've won one the last two rounds yeah. of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I, got a, I got a legacy to uphold here. Let's see. Round two. 
Crossover with a K. Friday Night Lights meets Moneyball. Crossover IQ is a mobile application that allows anyone to test their perceptual ability in sports, otherwise known as your sports IQ. Those were all nonsense words strung Crossover. together into a nonsensical IQ. pattern. Go on. Yeah, it has to be real. Number two, any dot do. <laughs> any do. Any do. A better way to make things happen. Millions use AnyDo every day to remember everything they have to do. With AnyDo, you can simply capture all the things you want to do and make sure you get them done. <laughs> it's like a to-do list or list or wonder list. Or... That's why I like my post-it notes. I like the name though. Any.do. Yeah, I just spent twelve ninety nine to buy any.do.do. And I'm <laughs> keeping it forever. I'm gonna keep it. paying that bill. Okay. Number three, App Hogs. App Hogs is building a marketing platform for Instagram celebrities that allows them and their fans to have significant connections beyond Instagram. Oh, I want that. I'm going with I'm going with App Hogs because I don't think there's a hogs domain. This one is tough, but kind of for the opposite reason the first one was tough. The first round. Mm. I kind of like to see an App Hogs TV ad. It'd be like a GoDaddy meets Mountain Dew ad, I feel like. <laughs> like I can envision the style yeah. it is in. Uh, the first one, the language was so nonsensical. I believe that was produced by an actual company that didn't have actual copywriters or marketing people. I'm going with any.do. Because if millions of people were using it, I'd know them. I mean, there was a startup list that went out of business and they contacted us and they were like, well, I guess you won by us. I mean, Trello in this case. And they called they're like, any could you buy us? It was something. Do, was that was a lot just of do. Lists. That was do.com. It feels like a great vague dot stuff. Like vague it is the stuff. most like um, yes. unspecific <laughs> indicator. Your I'm going with any dot do as it's well. It allows you to use your computer to compute things. I also, I'm going with any dot do. That's the thing. So there's a lot of hurting All going right. on here. I'm going to win. Well, so, so it's app hog. Oh! Yes! Oh! Oh! Two oh! oh my goodness. You, there is no catching up. He's now. one. We can't catch him. Oh, yeah. we can't. Well, we're going to finish playing because this is fun. This is the worst possible universe. I'm going to sit out. He can shame round. us by running up the score. Okay, you guys got to all yeah. fight for second place now. All right, oh, round that's three. Right. That's right. I done this. LinkedIn for the enterprise. <laughs> we solve the problem of painful status meetings by making it easy to share what you get done at work so that employees and managers are informed and engaged with zero effort. See, that has to be real because it's ungrammatical. <laughs> Wait, clarifying, done this? clarifying it's question. Clarifying question. Is this literally I... Implied space, D-O-N-E, like implied iPhone. space, T-H-I-S? I done. I done this. Oh, oh, like an I see. IPhone, like, like as I... if the I would be lowercase. So yes. it's... Yeah. Yeah. So they're meant oh. to go with done this with a cute mobile future technology idea with an eye in the front. And yeah. instead they produced a grammatically incorrect <laughs> phrase yeah. for a business... <laughs> Oh my God! Okay, I done this. Okay, that guy they had and the posters up in the subway. Like they were a like, "Child, too." I done this. It was like I done this. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's just, it's just All a right, confusing subway. They're also right. not grammatical. Okay, number two, yeah. shoe. Los shoe. Angeles-based private shoe club for men. Enter your measurements, and we will find you the perfect shoes and have them delivered to your door right when you need them. No gimmicks, no hassles, just shoes. Yeah. Wait, when they say enter Is my measure, I feel funny? like there are already sites, right? S-H-U. Shoe. Yeah. Shoe. Yeah. S-H-U. Interesting. 
I'm super confused. It's like Schubert, the people that own the Broadway uh, theaters. I don't think it is like the Schubert family. I, I don't. I think you're incorrect about that. But way to bring it back to the theater. Yes. Beautiful. He really wants to sing that song. I'm telling My you. My voice doesn't go that low. Okay. Just... Taking up an octave. So this is curated shoe picking based on my feet size. It's weird. And is it Los Angeles based or only available in Los Angeles? You the way you... Los Angeles based. Yeah. Okay. Okay. There I can. I have some stupid friends in Los Angeles. Do they wear shoes? Let me done. They might think that, that was a good business okay, idea. Okay. So they've got product market fit. People wear shoes there. Yep. Okay. Number three. Number three, stick. Reviews that stick. The Ooh. platform helps small businesses collect, display, and manage recommendations from past clients and supporters and helps consumers find small businesses recommended by their friends. And again, spelled in a funny way with no S-T-I-K. Stick. That's got to be a real one because somebody read that book by Chip Heath or whatever his name was about Made to Stick and was like, I'm going to make a company that's based on this somehow. I bought that right? book, but haven't read it. <laughs> Got sticky. Anyway. So that one's real. Shoe thing is real. Um, I done this. I'm going with I done this. The name is so bad. Yeah. It does seem really It's a terrible. real bad name. Yeah. But I remembered it. <laughs> if we all pick the same one, then nobody wins. Yeah, you should probably. Well, you or can rather, use some strategy loses. here. If I get this wrong, you have a chance to at least be in second. Did anybody get any points? No. No, <laughs> we're really just trying to beat each other at this point. We're all trying yeah. for not last place. Yeah. All right, all right. I, I'm going to say the shoe one is fake because there are so many places to order shoes already. That's yeah, never why stopped would a startup before. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what's, <laughs> on the size? what's the shoes company's name again? Shoe, S-H-U. 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 I'm saying that one's fake. S-H-U? I done this is fake. And Joel, you said I done this? I done this. I don't even like saying I done this out loud. I feel dumber for having spoken the words. I'm going with stick, just so one of us definitely loses. Well, shoe is the fake one. Oh, my God. Ah. I, I got a point. How, I got a point. So how, how unlikely is it that I'm in last every single time? It, it, you know, I would have to take some time and do some simulation or something to tell you that. <laughs> when I said, why do I suck so much? I was not requesting a Monte Carlo analysis with an answer, but thank you. I do appreciate no, that. All right. So Joel, oh, Joel's in first joke. place. Julia, you're in second place. And Jay and David, you are tied for third. Yay. I demand a recount. So I'm All no right. worse than David. All right. I don't know if Low I've bar. ever. Low bar, single. Jay. God. I hate that. That's a terrible Joel, game. would you like stickers or would you like the Clorox toilet wand? I don't. Yeah, we still have not been able to give away the Clorox toilet wand. <laughs> I think I shall take that one. Thank okay. you. I do need to clean the bathroom. In a moment, in a moment, we are preparing Constitution for Stack Overflow. Last week's Constitution question was whether you're allowed to close a bug as not repro. I think we have the results of that. But first... This podcast is also brought to you by Girls Who Code, a national nonprofit organization dedicated to closing the gender gap in technology. Girls Who Code helps create a stronger community around girls and women that will empower the next generation to be leaders in technology. Visit girlswhocode.com. Okay. Our new data scientist joined us fairly recently is Julia Silgi. And welcome aboard, Julia. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very glad to be here. It is excellent to have you. So we now have two data scientists. Do you need to run any numbers to confirm that? Or does that sound <laughs> roughly? Uh, two plus or minus zero. Yes. Yes. No, that's good. I like that. I like that with the error bars. Yeah. That's good. So Julia is our second data, data, data. We can come back to that. That's a key question. Scientist Ooh, based out of Salt Lake question. City, working remotely. Like all of our data scientists, of course, she has a PhD, although hers is in astrophysics, cool. which I believe makes you literally a rocket scientist. Is that accurate? 
So my field of study was stars and galaxies. So not so much the things that would get you into space, so much as the things that are already up there in space. I see. You're basically like, no, I didn't invent those stupid little cars you're describing. I built the interstate highway system is what you were saying. Yeah, that's how you would correct. I get it. So you have a PhD in astrophysics and you are also, I believe, the co-author of an upcoming book, Text Mining in R. That's right. That's right. So Dave Robinson, the first data scientist here at Stack Overflow, and I worked in open source in the R community together before I came here and joined you all. And we have been working on some tools for text mining in R. And it's been really exciting to see people use them and be excited about them. And we have started to gather some of the materials and some of the writing we've done about how to take this approach to text mining. And we're publishing a book with O'Reilly. So it should be out later this year. We're, we're currently getting drafts into them and all that. So it'll be out out in the world sometime later this year. Well, congratulations. And if I may ask, why did you have to do it in R, which is obviously inferior to Python? Was Python not available or something? Pirates. R. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just wanted to make sure every data scientist in the world posts an angry letter on our blog, or at least half, sure, of, them, good. half of them. I'm not reading good, your correction. Good. You're reading your correction. <laughs> sure. I'm not so interested in language wars. So I work professionally in R. I will say that like previously, the tools for text mining and natural language processing have been more mature in Python than in R. But there's like a rich infrastructure for dealing with data and doing data analysis in R. And there's a lot of people who like that's their main set of tools and the way they approach data analysis. And lots of those people need to do text mining and natural language processing. So Dave and I worked together to build a set of tools that use tidy data principles to be able to approach these kinds of questions. So I think Jay, just to be clear here, Jay chose Python as just another language he's heard of, not realizing that it is actually the like the legitimate other language for data science. Is that correct? Am no, I... that's very hurtful, Jared. <laughs> and I think I don't appreciate that you would make such <laughs> an assumption so about my knowledge or lack thereof. I chose Python because snakes are really, really interesting. And I've been reading a lot of books about them. And I thought of them because there's a language that also has a name that's a snake. So anyway, I don't want to work with that guy anymore, Joel. So Julia, as part of our recurring developer stories series, I always yeah. like to ask what got people first involved. And normally it's like, oh, I became a computer programmer. Yours may take a more circuitous path through the universe and galaxy. But when did you first become interested in computers? What was your data science, as it were? Sure. So if you want to go back a while, my first programming experience was in high school. I took like a computer class at my high school sure. and it was a fun class to take because the teacher was a very chill type person. And it's funny because I'm actually Facebook friends with him now. Nice. <laughs> and yes. And if you got your work done, he had like this land set up where you were allowed to play Descent. Oh, Do you remember Descent? wait, Descent? These were apples, no? Descent? Not a Mac game? No, no, it was like a little spaceship game. Anyway, you could play Descent on the LAN once you got your work done. But my first programming experience was in this class. Like you did like a group project to program a game in basic. And it was a class that was mostly boys in the class, but there were a couple of us who were girls who had decided to take it because of whatever reason. And it was a group project. And actually like the couple of us girls who took the class stuck together and we we went a little overboard on the game that we planned and 
It was maybe my first experience with scope creep, you might say. <laughs> it kind of spiraled out of control because we decided we were going to have this visual representation of dice that would pop up on the screen and you would you know, like hit this button to make the dice roll. And ours was so much more involved that we were like sitting there like typing, typing, and like all these boys around us were playing Descent on the LAN. This is my like first experience actually programming was back in high school. So when I got to college, I took my first real language was C. So I learned that in college. I'm wait, basic is not real. Come on, <laughs> come on. You have to C. C is just like a assembler language for assembler. Yeah. <laughs> basic is definitely a real language. That's all. <laughs> You're like it's real. It's real. Okay. All right. All right. I was a physics major as an undergrad. And at the college that I went to, like, people who were in those physical science degrees I had to take one or two semesters of computer science. And I would say when I started doing research as an undergrad, it was always projects that involved coding. And so I've always been kind of tech adjacent mm -hmm. until I would say I started here at Stack Overflow. I've always been kind of in these environments where I would write code for my job, but I was in physics or I was in astronomy or I worked in like higher ed curriculum development for a while. So I was in these kind of like tech adjacent kind of fields where I maybe wasn't a software engineer who built something that was going to go in production, but I wrote code to analyze data or I wrote code to run an instrument like a, like a telescope or a mm. camera that goes on the back of a telescope. So it's kind of a little more bespoke. <laughs> more <laughs> a useful? More, well, yeah, a little more like, I'm, we're doing this thing, like one-off oh, yeah. type coding type things, you know. Quick and dirty code. That's yeah, so that's kind of, I'd say, like how I got involved in software and coding was that kind of path. So excellent. So I pulled up Descent. Descent was on the Mac. It was on the Mac and the PC. I remember playing this in college because it was one of the first multiplayer games. Yes, yes, yep. I remember, I was going to say seemed 3D, but having pulled it up, it turns out it is, I don't know if it was the first, but it was the first widely circulated game that actually had 3D objects in it. They weren't sprites in a 3D space. They were polygons that actually were. Yep. I was not very good at that game, but I remember thinking it was amazing. Like, no game will ever be better than this. This is the most realistic <laughs> game we will ever see in our lifetime. So what is the normal career path if you didn't veer off into your sort of experience and expertise in data? What do most astrophysicists go on to fly around space in or... Yeah, sure. <laughs> so most people have an undergrad degree in, I'd say, physics. Maybe astronomy or astrophysics, but most of us have backgrounds in physics and then go into a PhD either in a physics department or in an astronomy department and then get that PhD there. After that, typical would be one to two to three postdocs. And then I Sorry, know. So you just said the typical right? career for an astrophysicist degree is to obtain three additional degrees. That is their normal <laughs> career path is to go to school three more times. Go on. Or you could discover the unified theory of everything and they would skip one postdoc. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> then they might give you a permanent yeah, job. Yeah, then they give no. you an associate adjunct position or something in NYU. Yeah, yeah. And then people would, after having postdoc jobs, like get some kind of faculty job. So I'm 10 years out of my PhD now. And so I look at my cohort, like, what are people doing now? Like, a few people have tenure track jobs. A few people have research positions at observatories. Those are usually like soft money positions, meaning they're responsible for bringing in their own grants to pay for their own research and salary. Oh, this is a job that provides the work, but you have to provide the money. That <laughs> yeah. is not a good job. I'm not an <laughs> expert in this field, but okay. Yeah. Okay. It's pretty rough. 
Some people have teaching positions where they have like a faculty job, but like at a small teaching oriented school, like a small four year school or a junior college. And then quite a lot of us have exited academia for various types of jobs in tech. Some people have a lot of experience with hardware because of the telescopes and the instruments. Yep. And so those people will, might work in hardware. Some people have a lot of experience with simulations and those people would tend to work more in like pure software jobs. I was an observational astronomer, which means that I like would go to the telescope and take data. And then I would like analyze real life messy data. So moving into data science has been a really good fit for me because I have a lot of experience understanding, okay, this data came from the real world. What happens when, you know, it's not perfect. We need to understand like what questions can be asked and what questions can we get appropriate answers to. So the kind of background that I have in observational astronomy is a good fit for data science. I have a quick question. Has the discovery of the Higgs impacted your past work at all? That's a really interesting question. So my work was on galaxies and how stars and galaxies are moving around. That's called like the kinematics and dynamics of galaxies. So the work that I did was kind of on the scale, like the physical scale of stars to galaxies. And the Higgs boson is a subatomic particle. So the answer would be not really because of the difference in scale and what I worked mm -hmm. on. I did do some work on supermassive black holes, like measuring the mass of supermassive black holes at the centers of galaxies. And so you do think about things at very small scales with that. Mm -hmm. But I would say in large part, no. I'm going to add to a number of my sentences going forward. Mm -hmm. I did some work with supermassive black hole. Like <laughs> when you make that a side project, it really elevates people's assumptions about what's happening in your brain at any given moment, I feel. So raise them up from baby black holes. <laughs> well, obviously I got started on just massive black holes. Like you can't yeah. jump into supermat. You don't even understand yeah. their scale. Yeah. So you have a blog post out today. I do. I do. I was really happy to work on this project that came out today. So the developer survey has oh, recently yes. gone live. So yes, we did one last year. The new one this year is now available. Please, everybody who's listening should go take it. You probably heard about it last week, but you may not have taken it yet. Go take it. Yes. If you haven't taken it, <laughs> you should go take it. And so this blog post that went out today is an analysis of some of the data from last year. So it's an analysis that focuses on women who answered the Stack Overflow survey from last year and looking at what were the characteristics of women? How did women answer some of the questions from last year? And we were really glad to put this analysis together and publish this while the developer survey is out now to kind of get people thinking about these issues and say, hey, we really do want all kinds of developers to come and answer our survey because we want to understand like lots of different kinds of developers and what kinds of issues are important to different kind of people. It was a really interesting project to get to work mm -hmm. on. So you should go read Julie's blog post. It is awesome. And I particularly like you embedded a link to a Shiny app in there. Can you maybe share for our listeners, I wouldn't have known before reading your post, what that means, what that is, and how it works. I had fun playing with that. Yeah. So Shiny is a framework for making interactive web apps using R. So R is the main language that I use professionally these days. And so Shiny is a framework for making interactive apps using that. And what the app does is allows a user to explore some of the questions from last year and to compare how answers from people who identified as men compared to the answers from people who identified as women. And we see some interesting similarities and some interesting differences. So when you look at some of the things that are similar, like if you ask people, is it important to learn new technologies or do you love problem solving or is it important to get promoted? For those kinds of answers, men and women had really similar answers. Like we agree it's important to learn new things. 
We want to get promoted. And there was that question like, do you want to go to Mars? We all agree. We all agree. Nobody wants to go to Mars. It's a bad idea. <laughs> no, lots of people want to go to Mars. 10%. 10% definitely want to go to Mars, even nobody, though they can't come back. Nobody's, That's one out of 10. Nobody smart wants to go to Mars. This is the kind of... Nobody yeah. wants what to go to Mars. What are you saying? The Mars plan is we can get them to Mars, and yeah. then when they get there, they'll probably figure out a way to get back. That's the kind of plan only people planning on staying on Earth come up with. That is a terrible plan. Anyway, go on. back to your shiny app. Yeah, but then there are some sets of answers where we see differences between the answers from men and the answers from women. So, for example, if you ask the question, like, do you think diversity in the workplace is important? We see a really big difference where women are much more likely to say, yeah, like, yes, it's very important that we have diversity in the workplace. And women are also more likely to love their bosses and more likely to value the mission of their companies. And then if you ask some questions that might be about, you might say they're about like work-life balance. Women are more likely to say like they don't want to code late at night. They value ending work at the same time more so than men would choose those answers. So it's really interesting, I think, to be able to look at data like we have from the survey and to be able to see similarities between developers who are men and developers who are women and also the differences. I feel like we can understand something about the community that we're a part of. What I found most telling was there's lots of interesting takeaways. Obviously, none reflect on the entire community. Some may have survey bias. But most importantly, if you've got a developer and they're male, they're a lot more likely to be drunk while they're coding than female developers, <laughs> given everything else being equal. I will say that, like, the fact that so few people said they had ever coded while drinking, I was like, oh, goodness, do these people just have much better boundaries than I do? Like, <laughs> like what's going on? <laughs> so few people have ever coded while I, having a Hang drink. on. I don't mean to interrupt you, Joy. What, what about coding while skydiving, hey? If I'm reading your Shiny app correctly, roughly... 25% of men suggest they code drunk at least sometimes, which should make us wonder, how yeah, often exactly does Julia right. think a normal baseline for being drunk while doing her coding work is? Because that seems was the, the question wasn't drunk, was it? The question was... While drinking. While drinking. Alcohol? Oh, Did sorry. It say alcohol? Do you start drinking and then stop before you're drunk? Because I feel All like right. you don't even know what you could be getting out of the whole experience. I... Well, I have reached an age in life where I feel like I've achieved that, so... It's a sign of maturity. <laughs> nice. So what are you most excited about looking at? Obviously, often you don't know what the, the real surprises and interesting things are in data until you, I don't know, rub the data and hug it and put it through the player piano-shaped device, I imagine, that you use to produce results. And ragtime tunes. What are you most excited to look at and poke at this year based on what little we know now, the questions you've seen, and what, what do you think is going to be interesting? I'm interested to look at like trends in technologies that people use, because this is one of the things I'm really most excited about being at Stack Overflow for, is having such amazing data about the sort of the worldwide community of people who work with code and software. And so I'm really excited to look at the questions about various like languages and technologies and frameworks and see what kind of answers people gave to that and how those compared to last year. I'm also interested to see what kind of response rates we've gotten compared to last year and how those kinds of things will shift. So I'd say probably what excites me the most is to see like what kinds of shifts are we going to get compared to last year's answers. Excellent. So my last question for you is, can you share any stories either you've experienced or people you've worked with or even read about? Like, where do statistics, the way we analyze data are used to, like, where did people get like wildly, like, super conclusive seeming things that are terribly wrong? Like my old recollection of like the horrible statistic was there was a brief period where everyone was sure that airbags 
caused like severed limbs. That if you looked at like crashes that involved cars with airbags, the people who had like lost a leg or two legs or an arm was like 10 times. Wasn't there a thing with peanuts where everybody was afraid that if they allow their children to eat peanuts in the first two years that they wouldn't? You always bring up the peanut thing. (laughs) It's my favorite thing. (laughs) It's too late for my kid. But the airbag thing, what it turned out is those statistics were technically accurate. Those rates were much higher. However, in the other group, those people were dead. Oh. And so the categories were like dead, you know, lost a limb or came out without losing any limbs. So the back has the one with the, the guy that figured out that in the middle of World War II, the bombers were coming back to England. And they were all shot up and oh, they yeah. all had flak and stuff like that. And so they had all these like, little holes in the bottom of the airplanes. Oh, so those airplanes get shot more. No. No, they did an analysis of where they should add more armor. And they wanted to yes. add the armor to the places where the holes were. Yeah. Okay. Sounds and somebody good. said, no, obviously you add it to the places where the holes are not because all the planes that came back with a hole survived a shot there. So that's not where you need armor. You need armor everywhere uh, else. Oh, the holes are indication of places you can take a bullet without being brought down. Yeah. I say. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Those are all really good answers. Like really... Fun anecdotes, let's say. Yeah. Yeah. One that I was just thinking about today, I don't know how exciting this is, but like related to actually my work at Sack Overflow is looking at number of users we have versus like the visitors we have. And it's kind of an analogy to people who go to the gym. So... <laughs> Hmm. If you look at like everyone who goes to the gym and you ask, say, what is their fitness level? If you look at all the members of the gym, you would get one answer. But if then if you were like counting people, how many people came to the gym today? Hmm. You know, like what is their fitness level? Because people who are more fit come to the gym more often, like counting visitors Uh. is different than counting users. Um, so it's these kind of subtle, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. What I've so just the, said? essentially the, I'm going to use the wrong words. The average person who is in the gym at any given time goes to the gym quite a bit. Yes. It's like a cohort problem where like the people that go to gym in the course of a year have an average fitness much lower than the average fitness today because it's oversampling people that go every day, basically. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like we think about those kinds of issues on the data team when we're talking about traffic, when we're talking about yeah. users. I had a, let's call it a folk theory, i.e. a thing that I used to say based on no data whatsoever. Yeah, we call this stuff Joel makes up when you're stuff not Joel makes yeah. up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I like to call it folk data or folk... Yes, uh, yours sounds more charming tr- and l- less like weird lies. Go on. Which was that the people that are having trouble getting jobs are applying to more jobs. And therefore, the average quality that you see on a, on a resume applying for a job is lower than the actual average developer yep, yep, quality. Yeah. No, that's exactly analogous to what I've just yeah. said. Yes. So now it's no longer not true because Julia confirmed <laughs> it. I just got blessed by a machine learning data. Yeah. And astrophysics. She has a PhD. It has to be right. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go edit that article to say retroactively true. <laughs> <laughs> just put a big validated stamp on it. Validated. Boom. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. All right. Well, I'm not going to say thank you for joining us, Julia, because you should just stick around with us because, you know, you stick around. work here. and I do. I work here now. I am really excited. But you're home I'm, anyway. I'm really excited to be here. So you should listen because you might learn something super interesting in the news or be able to share an astrophysicist slash data scientist. Have you considered becoming a neurological surgeon? Because I feel like brain scientists <laughs> would be like, I just, uh, just to just pad the resume. Post-doc. Just one more A little post-doc. bit. Just add it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll keep it in mind. Thank you very much, too. Dr. Julia Zilge. As you know, we're preparing a constitution for Stack Overflow. Each week, we bring you a proposal, and you, our listeners, will decide on whether that proposal becomes a part of our new constitution. Okay, results from last time. Last time, it was pro or con. If you have a bug and you close it as not repro, can you just close it as not repro and go home, or do you have to write some kind of stupid explanation with the result? 
of last week's Constitution question. Here's news editor Lonnie Itzhaki. 67% con. Wow. Yeah. But this was backwards. Con meant you do have to give an answer, right, if I recall correctly? We don't know anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you said pro, because I remember thinking it was yeah. weird and backwards, but I didn't make a big thing about it. It's you said tweets, pro was you binary. do not have to respond with a comment. I'm okay. pretty sure. Okay. Pretty right. sure. Pro was you agreed with Joel, who was wrong. Is there a funny, did somebody win our sticker, Ilana? Yes. The winner is Raphael. I'm going to murder this last name. That's a, it's a Twitter name, so it's okay. Castro Cuto. Yeah, you, that sounded good. That's, that seems and he said to always explain. That's the point of Stack Overflow after all. Oh, he tied it back to the mission. Oh, we explain of, everything. Yeah. It's Stack Overflow. Explain, yeah. You know, you teach them to fish right. and you explain what happened and don't okay. just give a one-line answer. Love it. This week's question. Now, we have an option here. We were just talking about, is it data or data? But everybody just said data scientist 700 times. I think people just say data scientist now. I think data is over. If we're going to go with a pronunciation thing, as I was listening to Julia, I'd much rather focus on, can we pass a rule that if you're going to talk about R, you have to say it R every time like every a time. pirate would. Okay. So I'm going to modify the constitution question a little okay. bit. We're going to do data is or data R as our question. I think you meant data oh, R. Man. That's what I said. That's what I said. Oh, I'm man, just... guys. All right. All right. Okay. Data is. So pros and cons here. Data is. That's what everybody says. The data is inconclusive. I got to warn you, this the is going to, every one of these conversations ends the same way. Yeah. It's going to end with a long lecture on our English language and I usage know. site, which I love yeah. about how <laughs> yeah. the language is evolving. And now that everyone's saying it that way, I should simply, not prescriptive. I should be less prescriptionist linguists. Yep. Deletionist, uh, non-inclusionist. And data is or data are. And so that's why we're making a constitution. Let's okay. resolve this once and for all. We don't have to talk about it anymore. We have a fact, though. The fact yeah. is the word data, data. is factually data. plural. Is that correct, Julia? You, that's not a word. It, data is not a word. It's data. <laughs> and secondly, <laughs> it are. <laughs> plural. <laughs> it are, not plural. It's like know, in, data, in England, when they say the name of a company, they always say are. They're always like, well, Microsoft are not really very suave about this, are they? They just make up plurals. It's like they're like the maths. What maths? Yeah. Which maths? maths? Who maths? That's one. <laughs> Couldn't the word just be like fish? It's fish. singular and plural. Fish are. Fish I think fish is. and fishes mm. are both right, and that hurts my brain. Fish is fish both. Is I think fish is. Yeah, a there's word a now. weird thing where it's like really? you have multiple fish, but then you have multiple kinds of fishes or something. It's yeah, one of those it's, words. It's there's, like if you one. can count them, they're fishes. It's For you, uh, ugh. Ilana. Mm. Hair. 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 If you make it plural, there are fewer. So, like, I got a couple of hairs in my soup. That's so true. But my hair is, like, all head of hair. So the extra because S makes it less. Mm. That, yeah. is, that is crazy. That's crazy. It's the only, the only word like that. Hairs always means fewer than hair would almost. Oh, wow. That is. But you could also say I have some <laughs> hair in my soup. Yeah, sure. But that's a lot more than if you've got a couple <laughs> that of hairs. That like so much. If you say look that's at the hair like in my lot. soup, like look at all that's... the hair. Like that could mean a wig. That's like that's... you're in a whole nother. He's totally right. <laughs> hairs means like you could use fingers to okay. identify the number. So pro is going to be data R. R. And con is data is. Post your answer to Twitter using the hashtag Stack Overflow Podcast with either pro or con and your explanation. Short but juicy. Fit it in 140 characters. The best explanation. Whether on the winning side or the losing side, you don't have to win to win the Stack Overflow sticker. You don't have to be on the winning side. But the person who has the best explanation, the funniest explanation or whatever is the most awesomest in 140 characters without using the farmer emoji with the carrot will be read on next week's podcast. I don't know why I added that rule. You can use the farmer emoji with the carrot and we'll win a fabulous Stack Overflow sticker courtesy of the Stack Overflow podcast. Also, please submit your ideas for future constitutional amendments. And one of them might be named after you. 
post your proposed constitutional amendment to Instagram using the hashtag StackOverflowPodcast. Uh, <laughs> no, because on so Instagram— tired. It doesn't matter. Nobody does this. On Instagram, you'd have to put StackOverflowPodcast, hashtag, hashtag DumbPodcast, hashtag, hashtag DumbGamesIPlay. Like, you have to have 100. Amazing. I, it, I don't yes. understand the Instagram. And if it's non-terrible, we may feature it in a future. Those crazy kids and their hashtags. Quick follow-up question. Is the farmer emoji one of the inclusive emojis, like the human heads, or one of the like yes. only yes. bright it yellow is. people, like the faces? No, no you no. can get any color farmer you want. But not it's any vegetable farmer. Should we do some news? Security researchers have discovered a new virus that forces victims into a pyramid scheme style ransom. The malware called Popcorn Time gives users the choice to pay up with one Bitcoin, currently worth about $770. Alternatively, the user can get their files unlocked for free by sharing a link to the malware and getting at least two other people to install the file and pay the ransom. Law enforcement agencies are recommending victims do not pay the ransom, saying that it will only encourage more viruses of this nature. Okay, wait a minute. Wasn't there like a thing for watching pirated videos online called Popcorn that got shut down? Yeah, that's yeah, right. right. Yes. Yeah, so this is doubly devious. Is they're trying to get people who are like, oh, I'm looking for popcorn. Uh, it's called, it's popcorn videos. time. That's what it was. That's what it was. I, my mom was like, I can't watch. I don't remember what show she was trying to watch. Game of Thrones. It still exists. On the computer. And she's showing me how she's trying to find it. And it's not a thing that is available for free, you have to like go on Amazon and pay a dollar ninety nine or something, and then you can watch it. And she's kind of browsing around on the computer and going to all kinds of weird websites that are telling her that she needs to upgrade Flash. And then there's some, you know, ransomware thing that's being downloaded. And I'm like, Mom, what are you doing? <laughs> like, stop! I'm, I might have done that. Stop! Yeah, popcorn. It was like a. It was basically a BitTorrent service for movies. Yeah, BitTorrent slash Napster. You could you get it on your cell phone and then it streams onto your TV. And then you feel a little bit guilty that your computer got taken over. So you feel, all right, I'll give you a Bitcoin. Because computers are just dangerous. They're just like totally dangerous. <laughs> and I'm showing my mom, look at the URL. It's like, you know, it was some URL that obviously sounded scammy, extraordinarily okay. sketchy. Yeah. It was like .xyz. It was literally <laughs> .xyz. It's, not a good, it's never a good sign. And my mom's like, oh, but I'm supposed to look at that? I'm like, yeah, yeah, you always have to look at the URL and see if you're... And I'm like, listen, just you want to watch something on television, go to Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, like one of these things that we talk about and we that everybody else uses. Now, but there was a time when like you just couldn't stream half the things. Like they just didn't exist. That's true. And there's also something, I mean, there's just like, if you get all your instructions for computers from 14-year-olds, then yeah. you may not... Realize that, like, the 14-year-olds just don't have a credit card. So that was the different popcorn time, though. Okay. This popcorn time. This popcorn time. No, no, no. I no, think it's all the same. I think the point is that, like, people are just Googling, and they're like, somebody told them to put popcorn in Google to try to find the thing. You know what I mean? Like, well, so, so the malware may have called itself popcorn time to take advantage of this popular yeah, yeah, yeah. torrenting service. But now there's a new extra malware. But this is a specific scam, I guess, right? Which yeah. Is, so basically, you get this malware, and what it essentially does is it takes away your access to your own files, right? Right. And then you can either pay them seven hundred and seventy dollars, or do a thing or that you hope will cause two other people to pay them seven hundred and seventy dollars, or yeah. whatever the current value of a bitcoin is. Nikki, don't pay it. Don't pay it. I don't oh, get how this boy. ends. What is the ending? I have no files that are not in the cloud. But it's like law enforcement saying you shouldn't do it because it'll propagate the scam. But like as an it's individual, just going to encourage people. But as an individual, your calculation yeah, is very simple. What is your data worth to you? If your data is worth two thousand dollars and you desperately need it, yeah. 
people are probably going like are you gonna be like you know what though Somebody's that kind of screws their, the system their doctoral dissertation so maybe i'll just forget like my 10 years of children pictures like i'm not sure the fbi can convince you to altruistically decide not to pay but that's sad news you have any happy news i do you can make it up it's okay uh, france france oh it's france? already happy they seem super happy france there they have is- Striped shirts. And- <laughs> France is positioning itself to become the next startup-friendly country by expanding its talent passport scheme to include a French tech visa. Aha. Aha. The new visa is open to foreign startup founders, foreign employees joining a French startup, and foreign investors. The visa will be valid for four years on a renewable basis. This is okay. This is a step in the right direction. It's suspicious. Why? There's a whole bunch of things going on here all at the same time. Number one... The four years is a little bit suspicious because, like, if you're successful, I guess you sort of assume that then they'll just be like, they're going to have to let you stay because you've been successful. But the most common outcome for a startup is not that it fails or succeeds. Actually, probably the most common is that it fails. But a very common outcome for a startup is that it sort of struggles along for a really long time and never really goes anywhere. And then at the end of four years, I think it is renewable. But you may actually be in a position where you're not hiring that many people. You've built a life now in France you whatever and you're kind of stuck because all you had was a temporary visa so that's the first thing that i would be a little bit worried about they should really just don't all visas don't most visas have to be renewed every x years is that atypical i mean it should be a path to citizenship if you really want somebody to make a company and it's okay to have there be a you know does france a minimum requirement or something but maybe i don't understand the dynamic there it feels like a weird cart horse thing like if they were saying like we have this burgeoning startup scene that is doing so well but we can't get enough workers so we've changed our visa program. I get that. They're trying to increase the supply to this demand. Yeah. It sounds like they're like, we wish we had more of a burgeoning startup scene. Yeah. So we're going to let people immigrate here more easily to work for the companies we wish would then be. Like, it seems like a weird I, I way to- I think what happens is that these people, they go to you know, the foreign ministers of every single country. They go to Davos and they, they were just meet there. Like Zuckerberg. And they're like, wow, this is, gosh, why don't we have Silicon Valley in our country? That would be amazing. <laughs> we would be rich in our country if we had Silicon Valley, every country. And then they ask, you know, Zuckerberg or whatever, and he's like, oh, you need visas or you need a or whatever. And they're like, huh, interesting. And then, you know, all these countries do some little program and they never really quite get very far with their making of a Silicon Valley. France has a ton of good startups, by the way. You used to be able to find out what they were by going to Rude Baguette. Unfortunately, that is. Sorry, did you say Rude Baguette? (laughs) Rude Baguette was a blog that told you, it was like the TechCrunch of France. It told you what the cool startups were in France, unfortunately. So just before we get any letters, I want to be clear. It itself was a startup and it closed down. You are representing that Rude Baguette is not a thing you have just made up as how you would guess a French startup (laughs) name would be. This is an actual startup that no one should write to Joel or I about. It was so charming when our waitress in St. Bart's was like, we have a delicious dessert today. It is, uh, how do you say, uh, French bread. Like French bread? Like, wait, like French baguette? She's like, no, no, comment dit on un pain perdu. And I'm like, oh, French toast. It's French toast. <laughs> <laughs> you see, if you speak French and you call it yeah. French bread, I would think it would just be bread. No, just, you would think French bread is like a, you know, a loaf of. Do we have a, oh, oh like American have... cheese. Like American cheese. There's a specific <laughs> kind of cheese. It doesn't just mean cheese here. The I got worst you. kind now of I, cheese. Now I get it. It's weird. because Did you say French worst blank. kind of cheese? Well, yes. I know we're changing the subject a little bit, but French blank is never. The thing that you would think, like French bread is not, you know, French bread, a French That's toast, true. French uh, fries, none of these things. Anything to do with France. Frenchie from Greece. <sighs> I'm sorry. I don't know what French fries are. I only eat freedom fries. Freedom can, fries. Can we go back for a second? They frit. Did you say American cheese is the worst cheese? It's not even cheese. It's a yeah. cheese product. Is that debatable? I don't know. Name I... two things that are more delicious than a grilled cheese sandwich. 
No. A grilled cheese sandwich made not with American cheese. Yeah, you're wrong. Yeah, made with like real cheese. Yeah, cheddar. Or... How about that croque monsieur? I'm with you. American cheese is not my choice on a cheese plate, but like Damn. trying to just try making your grilled a... cheeses with different kinds of cheese. You'll be happier. Once again, I resent the assumption that I would not have attempted such things. Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the, the amount of time I have like devoted to grilled cheese experimentation, I could have been an also, astrophysicist. No, I probably couldn't. Have. The other thing I want to say about the French startup, but mean. not the French people, Wait. Wait. is that the. Real reason I hear that people are afraid to start startups in France is that it's very hard to hire people and it's very hard because a lot of times they don't really want to work for startups because they require all kinds of benefits, which means you have to set up a lot of stuff. And also people expect not to be fired outside of the United States. In the United States, when you start your job, you basically have to kind of turn in your resignation at the same time. They have this thing <laughs> called it's called at will. At, at will. will employment. Yeah. No relation yeah. to will. will Cole. No, it's at will. It's a Twitter account at will. And at will employment <laughs> basically says that the general principle in America is if we're tired of you're working for us, then you shall stop working for us at the end. And you have no rights or anything like that. And that's bizarre. And that exists in literally no other country, least of all France, where the assumption is if you come to work for us, you shall work for us for the rest of your life, unless you get a special ruling by the president of France, which has to be signed by the next, the successor president of France <laughs> after that president of France leaves office. And you still get paid. You just no longer go in, into the job. Well, I think there are at-will defenders here. They would point yeah. out there's sort of three structures. At-will, they would argue, is it's not just that the employers can fire whoever the hell they want. The point is, if either of us should determine we do not enjoy working together, we may leave. We don't have a contract. Either one of us oh, may Oh, you can also say, quit your job. Yeah, yeah. At-will suggests there yeah, is no Yeah, but that comes from no slavery. You know, that's no, like no, that no, we no, got no. I mean, no, pretending no, that that's, no, a, no, that that's a nice hang quid on. pro quo that like- I, I don't even have, I don't have any problem with the European system. The European system has strong- <laughs> one-way controls that employees can't be separated. Yeah. But what the at-will was, I think, what they try to compare with is a contractual agreement okay, where yeah. I agree to do a thing for you for some period of time and you agree to pay right. me for some period of time. Whether or not. And that either yeah. of us saying, screw this, I'm not doing it, is sort of a breach of contract without you know due warning or something. Right. But that is the actual default way that you work in France. You have a contract. Yeah, you're protected against... There's for a sure. good reason for sure. to let Oh, listen, go. it's a much better deal as an employee... It can be difficult for startups because they are often afraid that they don't know whether when they hire all these people, the thing that they are hiring them for will actually work. And so the fear is you might get stuck with a bunch of extra employees that you've hired to do. For example, when we hired Chaos, remember, there were eight people that we hired. We had no idea if it would work. Right. Or when we hired you. Or um, still, <laughs> that, still really the jury. I, I, you know, I'm not sure you shared that story with me ever before just now. And <laughs> it's, there's a lot of feelings happening. Uh, so is that story over? Was that the end of that part? Because the arc was uh, a little... No, no. I guess I'm just trying to clarify that I think it's awesome that France made a visa program. Yeah. I might move to France. Really? Sure. I love France. I'm Beautiful. not sure. I, I don't want to. I don't know how to put this. I don't know. I, if, I think no. if they've ever heard the podcast, you <laughs> may not be welcome France? there. I... <laughs> no, no, they don't understand. They wouldn't understand. It's in English. <laughs> French there. <laughs> They love it when you speak English there, is my understanding. They do, actually. It's... I actually do work for a, a DJ in France. Really? All of my stuff is in English, yeah. I need some good French Wait, podcasts to listen to. I, I am so much less cooler than the average coolness. Did you say I work for a DJ in France? <laughs> That's a good thing to be able to say. Yeah, I do all his club drops, his radio spots, his mix intros. Ooh, ooh. Can you uh, get us into the zigzag English. club? What kind of, actually, what kind of DJ? I never do anybody's uh, club spots. House. House music. House. Yeah. Seriously, I, right, we'll talk afterwards. Okay. You've gone wasted. <laughs> The rest of you have gone and wasted another hour of your life listening to Stack Overflow podcast number 99, recorded the jeudi 
19 Chan Vieira, <laughs> 2 Mil, set at Stack Overflow Headquarters. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell a friend, spread the word. We need more subscribers. Or we are just miles and miles away from being number one on iTunes. Like we're like number seven or something. Please, somebody, somebody just get anybody, just download it. Don't even listen to it. I'm telling you this podcast has been brought to you by Reverse Polish Notation on HP calculators since 1971 and on the Mac calculator by hitting Command R. Learning Reverse Polish Notation is the best way to ensure your calculator will not be stolen by bullies because they can't use it. <laughs> Even Polish bullies, because it's backwards for them, too. Our audio engineer is Carlos Hernandez. Audio editor is David Greenlee. Technology concierge, Michael Rosa. Producer is Jess Pardue. Executive producer is Caitlin Pike. For Dr. Julia Silge, Jay Hadlin, Dave Fulton, and Ilani Itzkaki, I'm Joel Spolsky. Next week, episode 100 with Jeff Atwood. Woo-hoo. Tune in for that. Bye. 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 Did we have that guy with the vest with all the pockets in it who keeps everyone safe when you can touch the snake? He stopped by for a little while. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. What are we talking about? Remember on Johnny Carson? Okay, guy, I don't want to go there. I do remember. <laughs> he had the woman that collected potato chips with, that were like <laughs> pictures of things. Like we, one are was so, a we are so old that I, I know exactly And one was on. like yeah. Jesus's face maybe, and one was like a little car. And she had like a little tray of the potato chips like set out in between she her and Johnny. She finds the ones that resemble, and yeah. she saves them. And she's them. sitting there yes. on the Johnny Carson show. Yep. Yep. At some point, she turns away. And Ed McMahon takes, would distract her. He would yeah. distract her, so she turned. And Johnny Carson takes a big bite out of a potato chip very, very noisily, and she turns over frightened. It was, yeah. And he laughs and reveals that he has a bag of lays. It was funny because she thought he ate her life's work. Yeah. Okay. God, I can't believe I knew that episode. We may have to edit that out because it's completely unrelated to what we were talking about before, which is snakes. It's not on the Turbo board yet. Microsoft Planner, whatever this is called. Trello. Trello. Have they renamed it to Turbo Board already? Was that their first act? It's like, <laughs> I, we have control now. It will be called Turbo Board. Be Jira turbo. cards. <laughs> oh, it's funny because it's true. I've done this. Ain't nobody got time for that.